Hey, everybody, the show you're about to hear was recorded with a live audience, and it was so fun. Ah, uh, it really was so much fun, and we want you to be there for the fun for our next scheduled live audience shows. First up, on Sunday, February 4th at 7 p.m. at the Center for Inquiry West in Los Angeles, we've got guests and fellow Maximum Fun podcast hosts Cameron Esposito and Ify Wadaway. Sunday, February 25th at 7 p.m. at the Center for Inquiry West in Los Angeles with guests to be announced. And Saturday, March 23rd at 7 p.m. at the Crawford Family Forum in Pasadena with our friends at LAist 89.3. Woohoo! Guests for that will be announced soon as well. Can't wait. More shows will be added soon. All of the latest info and tickets are at our website, gofactyourpod.com. And now here's you, Helen, from before. Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Helen Hong, and now from the Crawford Family Forum at LAist in Pasadena, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Oh, Helen, nice to see you. Nice to see you, J. Keith. Oh, Helen, I got to tell you, I am recently back from a fantastic trip that I had with my partner. We, uh, we went and saw uh, friends of hers in Verona, Italy. <gasps> Uh, I saw it on your Instagram. I was very jealous from my house in South Central Los well, Angeles. Well, that is why I travel mostly. Is that you to, were just gallivanting yeah. around Europe. Here's a fun fact. Uh, it turns out, let me put it this way. Verona, lovely, lovely town. Mm-hmm. Our first night there, we hadn't quite adjusted to the time zone yet, so we were out late. And uh, so we borrowed our friend's car. We decided, uh, let's go into the center of town and have a nice meal. So mm. we drove in. We looked for parking. We couldn't find one. There was a space. We kept driving around, driving around. We finally found a nice space, had a lovely meal. Went back to the hotel. Everything was lovely. A couple days later, our friends tell us only people who live in the center of Verona are allowed to drive into Verona. You have been charged several dozen euros uh, for that uh, for that thing because the cameras caught our license plate. Of course, we'll pay for that. You know, th- that happens, right? Then the next day, it turns out there were four or five or six more times that we had to pay a fine because apparently when we were circling around, we would go into the expensive area, then out to the medium expensive area, and then back back into the expensive area and it charged us for every time. No! Yes. Yeah, so if you're wondering what a $500 pizza tastes like, it's a lot like a $20 pizza. I, <laughs> but with I'm expensive speechless. I, yeah. First of all, I can't believe that, I, like, how charming is this town that exactly. you're not even allowed to drive there yeah. if, unless you live there because it's, that's how, uh, Verona. I know, exactly. exactly. Uh, so now I'm trying to bring that to my neighborhood to see what, uh, <laughs> see how we can do. So... Warning to anyone going to Verona. Warning for anyone going to Verona. Don't also, do it on foot. Also, the holiday bonuses this year might be a little less than usual. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get into it. Today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they may not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest, Helen, who was up first. She is a comedian, actor, and writer who co-created and appears on the sitcom Bob Hart's Abby Shola. It's Gina Yashere. Hello, Gina Yashere. Gina. 
Well, good evening, everybody. Good evening to you as well. Wonderful to see you and have nice you here. Nice to see you. This uh, is now, great. Now, in addition to Bob Hartabashola, people, of course, will know you from your appearances on The Daily Show, The Tonight Show, multiple stand-up specials that you have on Netflix. And uh, speaking of which, I saw that uh, one of your specials you shot in San Francisco, another one you shot in the UK. Yes. And I'm curious, uh, how are audiences in America different than ones you find in the UK or other parts of the world? Well, I don't have to explain so much uh, in the UK. Oh. Uh, <laughs> when I first came to America, I mean, I've been here a while. When I first came to America, I'd get up on stage, I'd start speaking, and the confusion would just spread across the, the room. <laughs> and because, you know, most people can't tell the difference between a British and Australian accent. So mm-hmm. people used to think I was an Australian Aborigine. So I used to. Mm. <laughs> So I used to have to explain, look, I am from England. Black people, we are everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> so there was a lot of that. Okay. Oh, that gosh. was the main difference. Main difference. The origin story of Bob Hartabashola, which is, of course, a, a hit sitcom on CBS, uh, is so interesting Cancelled to me. Cancelled now, though. We're going to get to that, yes. <laughs> oh. But let's go back to the happier times, the origin, the beginning of yes. it. Because you were actually brought in to consult on this, and the producers found you in a very interesting way. Yeah, basically, Chuck uh, met up with his two exec producers that he makes most of his shows with. Chuck Lorre. Chuck Lorre, sorry. Mm-hmm. Chuck, Don't know if Chuck you've Lorry, heard of him. The mm-hmm. man behind the Big Bang Theory, two and a half men, mm-hmm. Mike and Molly. He's like the sitcom king. Mm-hmm. He wanted to make a show. It was in the middle of Trump craziness. And he'd just come from a trip in Africa. Don't ask me what country. He just said Africa. And, uh, <laughs> and he was like, I want to make a show with immigrants. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to show immigrants in a better light. They're being demonized horribly. And I want to make this show. And he's, he was like, but I don't know how I'm going to do that. I have no ideas. I don't even think I know any black people. I'm just putting words in his mouth. <laughs> but the show's canceled. Who cares, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But basically, he, him and his two exec producers were like, let's find someone who can help us make this show. They were like, we don't want to do another Mike and Molly. Let's do uh, the, the female protagonist to be a, a Nigerian immigrant. So... He left those two guys in charge to find a Nigerian female comedian. And that's how they found me. They literally typed into Google, (laughs) Nigerian female comic. (laughs) And ladies and gentlemen, that Google search has made me rich. Thank you. Thank you, you, Google. Google. Wait, are you telling me, are you telling me that if Chuck Lorre had just happened to gone to Korea for his vacation, (laughs) that I could... You could be a sitcom star right now, Helen Hong. Wow. For me, the takeaway is for the, for the young comedians out there, don't worry about working on your material. Work on your search engine optimization. <laughs> yes, and your material. I'll and your material. You know, Jake Keith. Well, of course, uh, it has been announced very recently that this upcoming season, season five, will be the final season. Yes. Now, that gives you a chance, though, in advance to prepare the stories and how you want to wind things down. Oh, absolutely. I mean, every season we're like, are we going to get another one? So the fact that we got five is a miracle. Mm-hmm. So I've got plans in place already. I've got other scripts written. I'm ready to go. Mm. Ready to go. <laughs> love yes. It. Love it. Be prepared. You know what I also love is that you were brought in as a consultant. Yes. And then you became a co-creator and executive producer. Oh, yeah. And then... I'm a hustler, Helen. I'm a hustler. And then there was a role to play... Oh, no. There wasn't a role. I created oh. it. created the role. Listen, I'm a comedian. Helen, there was no way I'm going to be involved in a sitcom and not be in it. <laughs> Like, my dream as a comedian has always been to be the best friend Mm -hmm. in someone else's sitcom. That was my dream. And then, obviously, I started pitching ideas, pitching characters. And I basically created the entire Nigerian family because they didn't have a clue. I asked them what the name of Abishola's character was going to be originally. And one of the guys was like, we're thinking Lupita. And I was like, okay, stop, stop. (laughs) (laughs) 
I understand what you're going with this, you know, Lupita, the famous Kenyan, Kenyan, wrong <laughs> <laughs> country. And so as we were writing the show, you know, creating all these characters, I kept saying, you know what? I think Abishola needs a best friend. Don't you think she needs a best friend? <laughs> I think she needs a best friend. And so we created this woman who didn't even have a name. She was just woman on the bus. She wasn't even meant to be a series regular. And the guys, because I was helping them create the show, they assumed that I would want the lead role. Mm. They came in and they were like, and Chuck was very like, okay, if you want the role of Abishala, you're going to have to audition with the other actors to get the role. I can't just give it to you. And I turned to him and I was like, I don't want the role of Abishala. And they were like, what? And I just pointed at the whiteboard and I was like, woman on the bus. <laughs> and Chuck looked at me and he went, you're very smart. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wonderful story. <laughs> and I know it was important to you that the people who were playing Nigerians were of Nigerian descent as well. That was the wonderful thing about this show, that I was able to create opportunities. So the, the actress, Saida, who plays um, Abishola's mother on the show, she's African-American. We were trying to find Nigerian actors for that role. And all the older women Nigerian actors had left Hollywood because they couldn't get work. Of course. Mm. I remember um, Bayo Akinfemi, who plays Goodwin on the show, one of the guys in the warehouse, came up to me one day and he was like, Gina, I thank God every day for the day your mother gave birth to you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so that gives me joy yeah I was going to thank you for being on the show but maybe not in those exact same terms uh, Jake Keith I want you to be happy for the day my mother gave birth to me I am happy for the day your mother thank gave you. birth we all are because it's Gina Yashere everybody Helen, against whom will Gina be competing? He is an actor and comedian who currently stars on the sitcom Bob Hart's Abby Shola. it's Billy Gardell Billy Gardell it's Billy Gardell Look at that confident saunter. <laughs> Billy and Gina Embracing. having a warm embrace. Co-stars. Cheering everybody. Co-stars, co-workers, embracing. How about oh, yeah. that? Yes. Billy, wonderful to have you here. Thank you for I, having me. I was actually asking Gina before the show if you guys had done a lot of appearances together or shows together. No, I think we knew of each other through stand-up, mm -hmm. you know, but we hadn't got to work together until this. And it's, uh, it's been a great ride, man. It's been a great ride. Great ride. Well, congratulations as yeah. well. Uh, how are you feeling about the show uh, coming to an end? I think CBS is cheap. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, would you like to mention any names while we're who's, burning bridges? Who's running CBS? Yeah. What's their number? The Let's names call that it. I loved have retired. So oh, okay. now, now it's, like, well, it's kind of like working for Applebee's. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask both of you, you've had a bunch of different uh, guest stars uh, on Bob Hart's Abishola over mm -hmm. the years. Are there any that stand out to you as a particularly memorable or fun to work with? Uh, well, uh, Helen and her self-promotion over there, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's Helen Hong. She was stunning. That's right, Helen um, was on the show. I I'll tell you who I really enjoyed working with. They brought in Joel Murray mm. uh, to play my dad, mm. and I truly enjoyed working with that guy. And those were some scenes also where you were talking to him sort of as a spirit as well. Yeah, he, well, my dad's dead, so uh, uh, when Bob's was at his point of a nervous breakdown... Uh, that he kind of spoke to his father. And it was kind of neat because my dad passed a few years ago. And every now and then when things are, you know, a little chaotic, I go out in the backyard and have a cup of coffee with him. And I talk to him and I try to remember what he would say. And I hear his voice. So I got to play that in real time, which was really oh, sweet. Very, very cool. sweet. Yeah, very uh, sweet. Well, another thing that happened in your real life that got integrated into the show is this uh, huge weight loss that you've had over the last few years. What? Uh, oh, <laughs> either that or your hat got really big. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I went from a minivan to a compact. I, um, 
I, I had to make a change in my life, man, and I needed to just get healthy. And it was great because when this show starts, my guy has a heart attack and he falls in love with his nurse. And the whole, my whole journey was to get healthy through that. So it played right into the story, which was lovely. But in, uh, in your actual life, it wasn't a heart incident. It was actually another uh, no, it <laughs> a, was a, a worldwide health well, incident. It was, yeah, when COVID hit, you know when that thing came up that said the most vulnerable people? Mm, right. I had a full bingo card. <gasps> I mean, I was overweight, sleep apnea, smoker, asthma, like a type 2 diabetes. Oh. I had all of that. So I told my wife, look, if they just get a medicine to where this thing doesn't kill us, mm-hmm. I'm going to make a change. And so the minute that happened, I went and got bariatric surgery. And then I just did everything they said for every single day. And that's kind of my routine now. Amazing. Oh. And, uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, thanks. You don't have to clap for that, but thanks. Do people treat you differently, have you noticed, uh, now that uh, you're down? People don't place? recognize me. Okay. I kind of got my anonymity back, which is nice, you know, to be able to buy a bottle of ketchup without someone staring at you. <laughs> um, <laughs> But my voice still gives it away. My father yeah. used to say, your voice should be on top of an ambulance. There's not an accident. Get out of the way. So when I talk, people recognize me. But I kind of walk, uh, walk quietly I these mean, days. I mean, it's and such I like a it. dramatic Thank you. A dramatic way I went from a young Jackie Gleason to an old Paul Newman. That was my... <laughs> So you covered the entire Hustler I did. Uh, rainbow. I'm the hustler. Everybody yeah. you need to know about me is in that movie. Okay, yeah. good to know. Good to know. Uh, last one I ask you about, sure. uh, you have a long, uh, wonderful stand-up career, uh, and you opened for one of uh, my heroes, which is George Carlin. I did. Uh, what was that experience like for you, and did you talk shop with George Carlin? Uh, uh, no, I just got to open for him because the opening act got sick and threw a call at the comedy club. I just happened to get that oh, thing wow. happened to me. It was back in 1988, and... Uh, I just I, I went up to him afterwards and I just said, Mr. Carlin, please, just any advice yep. that you could give me, anything. And he said, always write about what's going on in your life so your act never gets stale. I said, well, what if nothing's going on in my life? He goes, then get busy living. I got to go, kid. Wow. <laughs> you go. Get so busy good. living. Yeah. That's yeah. a good bit of advice. That is right? so true. By the way, a lot of people do not know, probably a lot of TV fans of yours don't know that you are a stand-up comic. Yeah, you know, it was weird. I think I topped out at about 3,000 seat theaters, which I thought was an incredible accomplishment. Incredible. Mm-hmm. But I did have that weird thing was like, uh, you're a stand-up too? Because I did it backwards. Yeah. I got the show, then I had a special. I did it, So it was inverted for me. But I'm still grateful for everything that happened. And wow. people still don't know I'm a stand-up because I, so, <laughs> <laughs> I look so different from my character. Gina has nine jobs at all times. <laughs> nine jobs. Excellent. Well, we're so happy that you joined Thanks us for tonight. Having us. The very funny Billy Gardell. Thank you. Cheers. All right, Gina and Billy, we asked each of you to give us a few topics outside oh your field of Uh-oh. work that you know and love. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> this is just a summary of them. We're not asking you any Couldn't we play them. as a team? <laughs> that would be an interesting way to go about it. Yeah, but, let's just uh, play we'll against Helen. Come on. Yeah. I, I will say that both of the, each of you backstage, independent of the other, said, I don't know anything yeah. about anything, and I realize no we have a very well-matched competition yeah. tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work that you know and love. Gina, uh-huh. for you, you said that was Pickleball. 1990s hip-hop and elevators whereas Billy you said that you know and love the Pittsburgh Steelers the TV show The Honeymooners and Marriage yes all right. Well, later on, <laughs> later on, we'll ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. Okay. It is time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll All have right. one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect or incomplete answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, oh, this is a fun coincidence, Snob Hearts Gorgonzola. <laughs> what? All right. 
Snob Hearts Gorgonzola. Bob Hearts, Abby Show. Okay. Yeah. All right. First up in Snob Hearts Gorgonzola is Gina. <laughs> Gina, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? I will let them tell you themselves because we have an in-person listener question. Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactorpod.com and click on Get Involved. Take it away, listener. Listener, take it away. Thank you so much. Let's give a nice hand to Hi, our listener. listener. Cool. Hi, I'm Perry Herman. I'm from Los Angeles. Hi, Perry. Hi. Hey. And uh, my question for what's the difference is, mm-hmm. while you might not want to hang out with either of them, what's the difference between an elitist and a snob? Thank you so much, Perry. Ooh. Appreciate it. Good question. All right, thank you, Perry. Gina, yes, you heard Perry. What is the difference between an elitist and a snob? I'm going to say the snob may not belong to the class that they are judging. Mm. An elitist does. 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 Okay, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Bringing that one home. Uh, All right, we've got Gina's answer. We don't know yet if she's entirely correct. Billy, anything you'd like to change or add to try to steal? Ah, let's see. A snob's <laughs> and an elitist is an a- with money. <laughs> I do recall seeing something like that in the Oxford Dictionary. Uh, all right, it's time to look down our noses at this segment. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Elitists believe that people of high social and economic classes the elite, are superior and should be in charge of things, usually the government. With money. (laughs) Snobs believe that they themselves are superior and have obvious contempt for those they believe are inferior. Without money. Okay. Uh, That's right, Helen. Elitists don't necessarily have contempt for those who are not elite. In fact, some elitists think that by having the elite in charge, they're actually helping those beneath them. That, of course, uh, can be rather patronizing, but you probably don't even know what patronizing means. (laughs) (laughs) Helen, how did our guest do? I don't think either one of you got it. Oh, yeah. It's very entertaining. Yeah. After a roaring start. Not necessarily very yeah, accurate. Yeah, extremely, ac- extremely entertaining, but yes. wrong. Okay. Uh, all right. Sorry, no points there. But up next in Snob Hearts Gorgonzola is Billy. <laughs> okay. Billy, while only a snob or an elitist will criticize you for serving the wrong one, what's the difference between Gorgonzola and blue cheese? Four bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Helen, we may have to adjust your facts on this one. Uh, I would say uh, Gorgonzola's probably sharper. It's sharper. Sharper. Okay, uh, we've got Billy's answer. We don't know yet if he's entirely correct. Gina, what do you think? One of them's got fungus in it, which is gross. Mm -hmm. And the other one's also gross. Okay. But But which one, Yeah, which one one is more gross than the other? Yeah, which one has the fungus? The blue cheese. The blue cheese. All right, well, this segment is starting to smell like feet. Let's go to (laughs) Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. All gorgonzolas are blue cheeses, but not all blue cheeses are gorgonzolas because a blue cheese is any cheese that contains an intentional blue-green mold, whether it's made from cow, sheep, or goat's milk. And most blue cheese tends to be dry and crumbly and taste sharp. But a proper gorgonzola is made from whole cow's milk. 
and it tends to be creamier and milder than most other blue cheeses. Yes, that's right. Now, the name Gorgonzola comes from a town in Italy where the cheese first became big business. To be labeled Gorgonzola in the European Union, the cheese must come from that region of Italy. Here in the U.S., we are less elitist about such things. And in fact, some international cheese competitions... Lie. In fact, some international cheese competitions have been won by gorgonzolas made in Wisconsin, the opposite of Italy. <laughs> Helen, how did our guest do? I don't think either one of you got oh, it. Oh, oh, well, I thought we what got the, the fungus, fungus and the sharp. We should have got a point each. You got the sharper mixed up. Uh, you said sharp, but for the wrong one. You said gorgonzola one. was sharper, yes. but it's actually yes. all blue cheese. It happens to the best of us. Yeah. Listen, listen, you booked us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy you for did, the four bucks. That you I did answered. warn us yeah. backstage yeah. that you knew nothing. And <laughs> I to tell you. Helen, what's our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Gina Yashere has zero points and Billy Gardell has zero points. Right. What a tight game. Right. Tight game. It's like soccer. But those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Yay! <laughs> Helen, I love science, I love precious metals, and I love sleeping. Is there a product out there that combines all of those interests? It's funny that you asked, Jake Keith, because there is. What? <laughs> Miracle Made Sheets. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics and makes temperature regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. Yes, now in all seriousness, good sleep is so important, and it turns out that regulating your temperature is also important to good sleep. That's why Miracle Made is so amazing because their sheets are infused with silver, actual silver, that prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets. Bacteria can clog your pores, causing breakouts and acne. You can sleep clean with Miracle. And most important, Miracle-Made sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer, than sheets used by some five-star hotels. I can verify that. I stayed at some five-star hotels. The sheets were so itchy and hot. Blech. <laughs> Helen, how can people get Miracle-Made Sheets? Go to trymiracle.com slash gofact to try Miracle-Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo code gofact at checkout, you will get three free towels and save an extra 20%. That's so many percents. <laughs> Well, speaking of which, Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash gofact, and use the code gofact to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. That's why we say, thank, thank you, Miracle Made. Whoa. Ooh, I went low that time. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen. And together we are The Flophouse, a long-running podcast on the Maximum Fun Network, where we watch a bad movie and then talk about it. And because we're so long-running, maybe you haven't given us a chance. I get it. But you don't actually have to know anything about previous episodes to enjoy us. And I promise you that if you find our voices irritating, we grow endearing over time. Perhaps you listened to one of our old episodes and decided that we were dumb and immature. Well, we've been doing this a while now. We have become smarter and more mature and generally nicer to Dan. 
But we are only human, so no promises. Find the Flophouse on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Gina Yashere and Billy Gardell. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you so much, everybody. Or just Clint. Thank you so much, uh, Helen. All right. Gina, of your many interests, you told us that you know and love pickleball, 1990s hip-hop, and elevators. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. Uh, first, tell us what pickleball means to you. Everything. Oh, wow. <laughs> I discovered it during COVID. Okay. So I'm an avid badminton player. I've played badminton for 25 years. That's my game. Mm. And one day I was walking my dogs in my local park in Altadena and I heard a and I heard people shouting and having fun. And I was like, well, that sounds way more fun than tennis. I didn't know what it was, but a friend of mine who played the game came and spent a Saturday afternoon teaching us how to play. And then that same day, I'm going to say the same day, I went to the pickleball exchange in Encino here and I bought the paddles, the shoes, a bag, Whoa. the shorts, the T-shirt. You went all I in. I spent $400 Whoa. Wow! on pickleball. I was like, this is my new game. So I was very annoyed when they had that special on TV where they had all these celebrities playing and I was not invited. Furious, because half of them were really crap. How are, you, how are you not a bad guy in a Guy Ritchie movie? Honestly, God. <laughs> I should be, right? You absolutely should. Take him out and break his legs. You see, I'm good. Yes. All right. Well, uh, next, please tell us why you know and love 1990s hip hop. That was just my era. Okay. That was when I was coming up. I was in London. All right, as a kid from the age of four, I've dreamed of living in America from the age of four. I used to say to my mother as a child, why did you come here? <laughs> and then as I grew up, before I'd go out nightclubbing, I'd watch MTV Cribs religiously and learn all the dance moves. Mm. Running Man, Cabbage Patch, all of that, and go to the club and hit those moves. So my dream then became to move to America so I could be in a dance video, a hip-hop <laughs> video with Public Enemy and Big Daddy Kane. <laughs> That's great. And, and how'd that work out? Big Daddy Kane follows me on Instagram. Okay, good enough. All right. Glad I asked. And then finally, Gina, tell us why you know and love elevators. Do you remember Omen 2, where that doctor was in the elevator and the, and the chain came through and smashed through the elevator car and cut him in half? No. Towering Inferno, that wonderful movie from, right. I can't remember what it was, I'm going to say 78, yeah. I don't know, where the, they were in the elevator trying to escape the fire and it crashed to the bottom of the right. truck and they all died. So I used to watch a lot of horror movies and stuff. But and, it sounds like that you should be more terrified of chainsaws and fire than of elevators. Well, elevators crash into the bottom they of the crash. The okay, that's where it die. comes in, yeah. So I never used to get in them by myself. My mother wanted me to be a doctor. I didn't, long story. So I switched to engineering. I became an engineer. And my second job as an engineer, I saw Otis Elevators advertising for trainee engineers. What? And I was like, well, this is a way to overcome my fear. Seriously, so I facing applied, it head yeah, on. Yeah, so I applied for this job as a trainee engineer, and I got it. I was the first ever female engineer in Otis UK's 100-year wow. history. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I worked as an elevator engineer building and repairing elevators for four years, and I definitely overcame my fear yeah. because I used to ride on top of them. Wow, and how many times did they crash? Never. <laughs> a lesson learned wow. there. So I should go and become a spider 
technician. <laughs> yes, to get over your a fear of spider spiders. Spider handler. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, my, thank you. My favorite of the Spider-Man spinoff movies. <laughs> All right. So to summarize, Gina, you said that you know and love pickleball, 1990s hip hop, and elevators. Today we're going to quiz you about oh God. 1990s hip hop. Oh. Hey. Damn. Not elevators. Sorry, Helen. Maybe next time. <laughs> I guess this show really does have its ups and downs. <laughs> Gina. Uh oh. Wow. Okay. Uh, Gina, who are some of your favorite uh, artists and maybe some of your favorite tracks from that time? Public Enemy, Fight the Power. Mm-hmm. I used to love De La Soul. Okay. Big Daddy Kane, as I mentioned. Yeah. Queen Latifah. Okay. Another favorite. Yeah, you got some fellow fans here. Missy Elliott. You uh-huh. know, I can go on and on. All right. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with An our expert level question worth oh up to three God. points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. Now, if you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints over these five questions. Okay. Now, Billy, do listen closely because if Gina answers incorrectly, you could steal. Billy, how much do you know about 1990s hip hop? I was pretty drunk back then, but <laughs> I was at the club, so maybe some of it seeped yeah. in. All right. So pickleball is what you were hoping for, maybe. <laughs> no, no, I don't go sideways. Okay. <laughs> All right, Gina, here is question number one. All right. It wasn't until 1996 that the Grammy Awards had a category for Best Rap Album, mm-hmm. which they awarded to Poverty's Paradise by Naughty by Nature. Of course, Naughty by Nature had already made a huge impact in the 1990s with what three-letter hit that they wanted to know if you were down with. OPP. Helen? You down with OPP? Yeah, you know me. You down with OPP? Yeah, you know me. That is correct. That is correct. Of course, very nice. <laughs> very nice, Sudan. I knew that one, by the way. You're on the board. You baby. are on the board. Fun fact: the first artist to win any Grammy for rap was Will Smith. DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Yes. Yeah, Boom. baby. Boom. Do I get an extra point for that? Uh, Helen, did she get an extra point? No. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Bonus fun fact, DJ Jazzy Jeff appeared as an expert on episode 87 and a guest on episode 100 of Go Fact Yourself. No way. Yeah, we got some good people, not just you two. Yeah, we do all right. All right, here's question number two. Only one hip-hop artist had three albums reach number one on the Billboard 200 charts in the 1990s. That would be Tupac Shakur, a.k.a. Tupac, a.k.a. Machiavelli. What are any one of those three chart-topping albums, two two of which have the word me in them? Ah, see, 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 I was a Biggie fan. I was all, oh. I was East Coast. I wasn't West Coast. Oh, please, please. We're ah. trying to bring people together tonight. Wow. Sorry, sorry. Oh. No eyes on me. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> now we're back on it. Uh, fun fact, Tupac and I have the exact same birth date. So, astrology must be true. (laughs) All right, here's question number three, Gina. You are two for two. There's a reason the 1990s are called the golden age of hip-hop, as several legendary artists made their debuts. But which of the following artists did not have their first studio album debut in the 1990s? Was it Notorious B.I.G., Jay-Z, Wu-Tang Clan, Queen Latifah, or Lauryn Hill? Queen Latifah came out kind of 89-ish. So, Lauryn Hill was like 94. I'm going to say Queen Latifah. I think she was, she was like 89 or something. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct. Ooh. Very nice. Wow. Ooh. One of your favorites. That is absolutely correct. Yes. Fun fact, Queen Latifah's first album was in 1989, Wu-Tang mm. Clan in 1993, B.I.G. in 94, Jay-Z in 96, Lauryn Hill in 1998. Other 1990s debuts include Nas, DMX, and Eve, all of whom have three letters. 
This All is right. the kind of deep research that we do on the show. Yes. Counting the letters. Some, of, some of the facts on. are funner than others. Yes, yes, they are. All right, you're three for three. Here's question number four. Snoop Dogg also made his debut in the 1990s, and Gin and Juice, produced by Dr. Dre, was a memorable celebration of his laid-back lifestyle. Although we may never know what type of juice Snoop drank, there are two <laughs> brands of gin mentioned in the track's lyrics. What are those two brands? Uh-oh, here comes the West Coast again. <laughs> no. Gin and Juice. Oh. Laid-back. <laughs> what was it? I don't drink alcohol at all. So I've got oh, so you no don't even idea. hear when people mention that. I understand. Yeah. Yes, very common. Um, yeah. Give me, I need a hint for this. Helen, one. how about that first hint? One of the brands of gin is probably better known for its whiskey, which has a large number seven on its label. I still don't know what that is. The other brand's bottle has a red wax seal with a large letter T. Billy tried to tell me the answer, and I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, you could steal that because I haven't got a clue. Billy, a former heavy drinker, is like... <laughs> I'm going to guess the first one was Jack Daniels, the second one was Tito's. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm sorry. None of them? None of them? None of them, no. Uh, we we're looking Number for seven? Se- no, no, it's, uh, se- seven is Seagram. Seagram seven. Oh, like Seagram seven. seven. Oh. Uh, yes, uh, uh, that is a whiskey, I believe, Jack Daniels, yeah. and not a, uh, not we a gin. The, uh, the other is Tanqueray. Tanqueray. Uh, the lyrics that mention the brands, now that I got some Seagram's gin, everybody's got their cups, but they ain't chipped in. And of course, <laughs> later on that day, my homie Dr. Dre came through with a gang of... There you go. J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you I so much. I thought he was saying, now you can see Graham's gym like his grandma's. So uh, I always thought that. Yes, there was a bit of a cultural uh, yeah. mistranslation. I was in England, there. remember? Yes. <laughs> that was very impressive spitting. Oh, J. thank Keith. you. Yes, I, yeah. I, lo- I love to spit. <laughs> uh, all right, let's see if we can bounce back. Here's question number five. You okay. do still have a hint available. In August of 2023, Rolling Stone published a list of the 150 greatest hip-hop videos of all time. Hmm. Number one was 1997's The Rain, Super Duper Fly, from oh. Missy Elliott, directed by Hype Williams. The video features several cameos from influential 1990s hip-hop artists, including Puff Daddy, as he was known at the time. Puff Daddy, in that video, wears a cap with the logo from what Major League Baseball team? Wait, let me think, let me think. Okay, okay. Peter, he's wearing a Facebook. I remember the video. Yeah. Gina <laughs> reenacting the video. <laughs> She's wearing the plastic. Yep. Can I have my hint, please? Oh, well, since you asked so nicely. Yes, Helen, how about that second hint? The logo is the letter P, as in Paul. Pittsburgh Steel Pirates. <laughs> I've never heard it pronounced that way, but... Um, <laughs> Helen, is it the Pittsburgh Steel Pirates? It is. It is the Pittsburgh Pirates. (laughs) A very subtle assist from Billy Gardell. I don't know if our mics pick that up. You have to come to the live shows to see the subtlety of those uh, moments. Uh, Fun fact, other artists in the video include Timbaland, Lil' Kim, DeBrat, and Yo-Yo. Yeah, see, if you'd asked me who the other artists were, I would have had you. Right. But we were trying to ask a challenging question. (sighs) <sighs> okay. That was good, that was good. Oh, got, thank you, you so me. much. You got, you got, you got I want her back. That was a really good one. You All right, me. thank you. All right, you did pretty well in that round, Gina, but now here's your expert-level question that Ooh. requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. Oh, I love cluster fact. Thank oh, you. I, I love these places. I had a case of that once. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you clear it up? They make creams. Penicillin, Penicillin yeah. <laughs> we'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. 
Gina, there's a great sense of nostalgia looking back at hip-hop from the 1990s, but some hip-hop hits from the 90s already included their own nostalgia. Take a particular song that became a certified gold single. It featured a wistful look back at times gone by, which may seem a little odd given the artist who wrote and performed it was at the time a teenager. Take a listen to this clip from the track, and we'll ask you your questions. Back in the days, back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid again. Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. All right, for up to three points, Uh what is the name of this 1990s hip hop classic? (sighs) What year in the 1990s was it released? And how old was the artist Ahmad at the time he wrote and recorded it? Oh my god! Okay, that's a lot of questions. What was the first one? First one is what is the name of the song? Back in the day, mm-hmm. and then and what was the second one? The year ninety-seven, mm-hmm. and the age of the artist at the time. I'm going to say 19. 19. All right. Well, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is an artist who earned a gold record with one of the most iconic, nostalgic songs from 1990s hip-hop, the song we just heard. It's Ahmad. Ahmad! Oh! 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 Hey! So sometimes I sit and wish I was a kid again. Back in the day... Wow. Ahmad. Welcome, welcome, Ahmad. Ahmad, please lie for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, grateful to be here. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. I have to say, I've been watching uh, your videos uh, this whole week. You look exactly the same as you did <laughs> back in the day, if you will. Thank you. Thank You're you very youthful. Lies. I appreciate it. Uh, well, in addition to uh, your work in music, you also have become a scholar, a social worker, an entrepreneur, a motivational speaker. Uh, tell us about your day job now. It's a, it's a little bit of a detour from uh, the hip-hop you were doing. My rap career kind of stalled. Mm-hmm. And then I had to figure out, I, I had a son, a one-year-old son, and I was married. And I said, what am I going to do? I said, God, give me a sign. I was at Long Beach City College. I saw a literal sign that said, enroll now. Yeah. I pulled over, walked in, stood in a line of teenagers. And I was 29 at the time. This is after a whole career of music. And I got to the front, and the lady said, what are you? I said, I want to enroll now. <laughs> <laughs> And she's like, what do you, you got to fill out an application and you know that. But I enrolled at Long Beach City College. Two years later, I was valedictorian. (gasps) Then I went to Stanford, one of 20 transfers accepted. Wow. Yeah, and I I became, I'm a counselor, therapist, and a success coach. So yeah. And I'm a filmmaker. That's my my real thing. My day job is doing that. Very cool. Yeah. And, and uh, you, you specialize in a certain age group in your counseling work? Yeah, I'm working with high schoolers, um, and I love them. You know, I've always, even when I was making rap records, I always took time to go to juvenile halls, talk to the kids. Um, it's just something my mom raised us to do. And so, yeah, I love it. And uh, are the kids aware of your hip-hop background, or when do you slip yeah, that into some, the counseling session? Like, I, I help run the Black Student Union, so every year they're like, rap, Mr. Lewis. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> like no, that's, I'm not doing that. But. Not for free. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I read that you said that uh, in, the, in the teaching that you had done, that uh, rapping and teaching are not that far apart. Uh, can you tell us what you mean about that? Well, you know, hip-hop, I always, which is probably why I didn't, have as long a career as others. I feel like the music industry wants you to present a certain, you know, image, a certain, 
kind of music, mm-hmm. a certain kind of imaging. And even though I'm from South Central Los Angeles, I just refused to go down that road. And I said, you know, I'm not a gangster. I'm not going to act like it. And so my music was always about enlightening, mm. helping people um, live better. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I do with my life. My life is my art now, and I don't see much difference between the two. Very lovely, lovely sentiment. Uh, well, let's talk about back in the day. Uh, it's got this incredible hook, this great sample. <laughs> you were an executive producer uh, on the record. Tell us about where that came from and, and how that song came to be. You know what? It's so funny. My friend Kendall, who most people know um, as Red Foo from LMFAO. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we grew up together, and so I used to ditch school and go to his house in the Palisades. I went to Palisades High School, so I got bus from South Central to, to Palisades wow. every day. Oh, that is wow. a long bus ride. Can you imagine? And then after school, I'm walking home with my football pads, and um, but then I would ditch and go to Kendall's house, and we would write songs. Mm-hmm. And um, that's his real name, Kendall, but Red Foo. And yeah. he, one day, you know, we were at the end of the album. I just got a deal with Giant, Giant Records. I said, I need to do one more song, man. And he was like, I have this beat, you know, this. And, and then he gave me this nostalgic beat. And all I could think of is like back in the day, you know, and I just I'm in the room. I'm like back in the day when I was. Young. And then I just wrote this hook. And the last song on the album became like the song of my life. Like, wow. I, love that, I love that you were a teenager at the time. You're like back in the day when I was drinking yeah, chocolate milk. Yeah, yeah. And I, <laughs> back in the day when I was inside my diaper. Yeah, Yeah, it's interesting to hear someone reminisce about seventh grade when they're in ninth grade, maybe. And and you know what's so funny is I wrote it at 17. It came out at 18, but I was 17 when I wrote it. So close. So close. The song had such amazing success. It was a top 40 hit, not only on the rap charts, but the dance charts, the R&B hip-hop charts, and the pop charts. Were you surprised at that crossover appeal that the song had? What do you, what do you attribute that to? I contribute it to a blessing. Mm. Because there's nothing you can do to kind of uh, ensure that kind of success. Even now, you know, I... I um, I'm blessed by that song. In the past year, McDonald's, um, Airbnb, Gatorade, mm. they've all used back in the day. It, it keeps, uh, it's the gift that keeps, keeps on giving. Fantastic. You did some other uh, music work. You had a band called Fourth Avenue Jones, and you got to share the stage with some amazing acts. Who are oh some of the God. acts that stand out to you now? N- number one, James Brown. Yes, that's what I was yeah, thinking, too. Yeah, James Brown. Um, you know, we played with the Fugees, the Black Eyed Peas. Uh, yeah, Stevie Wonder, Bilal, I think, as well. Yeah. Stevie Wonder. I wa- wow. You know what is so amazing is they were doing, the Black Eyed Peas were doing a uh, holiday um charity event mm. and I'm backstage and Stevie Wonder was back there with me and he goes Ahmad you're gonna walk me out and I said no way because I was so nervous like yeah. there's no way I'm gonna like make Stevie Wonder fall and like be, be the guy who he's like you're gonna walk me out. all you gotta do you know I'm just gonna hold on to your arm I walked Stevie Wonder out on stage mm. can you believe that and, and, and did he fall he didn't fall. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, he didn't fall. <laughs> you want to be remembered in the music industry. That's one way to do it. I would never wash my arm again. I know. I haven't. No. Yeah. 
Uh, last one I ask you about, you mentioned that you went to Stanford and that you were the valedictorian at Long Beach City College. You actually got to return there to be a commencement speaker. That's right. One of the messages that you had in that commencement speech that I was so interested in is you said, be willing to be embarrassed. Wow. Uh, can you you tell do me? your research, I, don't you? I have YouTube. I don't want to brag. But, uh, yeah. uh, can you tell us, tell us a little bit more about why, that, why you think that's so important to be willing to be embarrassed? Well, just an example is like when I applied to Stanford, I applied to three schools, Stanford, Berkeley, and UCLA. And I said, if I don't get in one of those, I'm not going. Forget yeah. it. You know, I was just adamant. Stanford is the only school who hit me back and they said, you need the SAT in order to even apply. Mm. So I went and I stood in line, all teenagers, and I'm 29 at the time. And, and I remember the woman in line, there was a worker there and she goes, parents, to the side. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm standing there. I know she's not talking to me. <laughs> Parents, to the side. <laughs> and then I said, I'm not a parent. I'm here to take the test. Oh, my, I'm so sorry. But, you know, I was willing. You know, yeah. I said, you know what? After I'm in, at Stanford, I'll never remember this. And that's what happened. I aced the SAT and haven't looked back. You know, haven't so it was back. great. What a great story. You got to be willing. Well, let's get to the reason we brought you here, Ahmad, as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Gina. First, we wanted to know, what was the name of that gold record song that we played? Helen, what did Gina say? Gina said, back in the day. And Ahmad? That's right. That is right for a point. Very good, Gina. Next, we wanted to know, what year was that song released? Helen, uh, what did Gina say? Gina said, 1997. And Ahmad? It's 1994. Very close, yeah! though. Close. Reasonable. No! You know what? It might not have made its way across the pond for three years. It's, a very... <laughs> it's true. We only just got the first color purple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That, that might have been a biased question on my part. Uh, <laughs> but I'm sorry, no point there. And then next, you want to know at what age did Ahmad write and record that song? Helen, what did Gina say? Gina said 19. And Ahmad? Wrote it at 17, released it at 18. Oh, but it was so mature oh, so in its close. content that she thought it would be 19. A very reasonable guess, <laughs> yes. Gina. Gina, while we have Ahmad here, anything you'd like to ask or say to him? Oh, I mean, this is amazing. Did you ever come to England to perform? I did once. Where did you perform? It was a little spot called Bagley Studios. Oh, I know Bagley. Oh, I used to okay. go nightclub in there. Yeah, oh, yeah. And everybody, they were like, encore, encore. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's brilliant. Excellent. Brilliant. Well, I know you've got a lot going on, but Ahmad, if people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where can they do that? IG is best. Instagram, just the.amad.show. The Ahmad Show. The Ahmad Show. Well, oh, thank God. you for improving our show today, everyone. It's Ahmad. Yes. Ahmad Ali Wait, Lewis. Ahmad, thank you for coming, Ahmad. <laughs> oh, Gina getting a selfie with Billy and Ahmad. We'll put that up on our Instagram. <laughs> oh, no, I was thinking Yeah. Take that, Big Daddy Kane. You better like that. (laughs) Come on, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you. you. All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? That's cool. So cool. At the end of that round, Gina Yashere has five points, and Billy Gardell has zero points with a round of questions for Billy coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Billy about a topic he knows about, plus later Gina and Billy will go head-to-head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Helen, guess who's back as a sponsor? Uh-oh! 
well, considering how enthusiastic you seem, I'm going to guess it's Magic Spoon. Oh, Magic Spoon, I missed you so much. I love Magic Spoon legitimately. How much do I love Magic Spoon, Helen? I ordered it and paid for it out of my own pocket, even when they were not sponsoring the show. (laughs) I am an actual endorser and user of Magic Spoon. I absolutely love it. He really is. He can't stop talking about it, even when we're not recording. We should release an outtakes of just the times I talk about Magic Spoon and you tell me (laughs) that's enough. Anyway, people, listen. We all know the blandness of adult cereal. We all know about that chalky texture that you get with typical protein bars. Well, guess what? Magic Spoon has solved for all of it because especially if you do the low-carb lifestyle like I do, if you're carb conscious at all, if you love great taste with more protein and less sugar, then you will love Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon has practically reinvented your favorite childhood cereals to taste great, but they have all sorts of health related stuff in it? I don't know, Helen. You tell them. Magic Spoon contains zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs per serving. It's gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. Plus, it's 140 calories a serving. Yeah, and it's so great. Sometimes I eat it right out of the box. Sometimes I'll put it in some yogurt. Sometimes I'll eat it like a normal person as a cereal. I'll use some almond milk to keep those carbs low. I just love it. And oh my gosh, the flavors... Cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, and then they keep innovating with new ones like honey nut, birthday cake, cinnamon roll. It's amazing. Ooh, cinnamon roll. That sounds amazing. Right. And maybe you're thinking, I'm not a cereal person. What about a treat? Helen, tell them about the treats they have. The treats they have are the perfect on-the-go snack. They taste just like the marshmallow treats you had as a kid, but with only one gram of sugar and one to two grams of net carbs. Mm. And they're packed with 11 grams of protein per bar. They come in marshmallow and chocolatey peanut butter flavors. Oh, I'm going to try some of those. Every time I get that big blue box of Magic Spoon delivered to my door, that is a great day. All right, Helen, I think people understand how much I love it. Let's let them know how they can love it too. How do they get Magic Spoon? Go to magicspoon.com slash gofact to grab a custom bundle of cereal or their delicious treats for on the go. Be sure to use our promo code gofact at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money, no questions asked. Again, that's magicspoon.com slash gofact and use our code gofact to save $5 off. You will love it. And that's why we say... Thank thank you, you, Magic Spoon. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Gina Yashere and Billy Gardell. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you, Helen. 
All right, Billy, of your many interests, you told us that you know and love the Pittsburgh Steelers, mm -hmm. the TV show The Honeymooners, mm -hmm. and marriage. Yeah. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us what the Pittsburgh Steelers means to you. Well, I'm from Pittsburgh, and that is like religion up there. It's what families do together. It's a bonding experience. I've kept that tradition in my house, and... Uh, I was actually good friends with the late, great Franco Harris, mm. and I got to meet him through what I do, and he was one of my childhood heroes. And the Immaculate Reception is just always proof to me that you got to play till the clock goes to zero. Mm. And that's kind of the attitude of the city, and the team kind of represents the city, and I've always kind of kept that in my work ethic. Wow. Have you talked? Have you said that exact sentence before? That was just so well, well First said time somebody that. asked me that. First time. <laughs> mm -hmm. So uh, eloquent. Very eloquent Thanks. as well. Uh, all right. Next, tell us what the TV show The Honeymooners means to you. You actually compared yourself to Gleason earlier. Well, I would never say I was as good as Gleason, but that was something to shoot for. That's something I used to share with my father. My father mm. gave me a lot of great knowledge that I didn't realize he was giving me when I was younger with movies and films and mm -hmm. comics. And one of his favorite shows was The Honeymooners. And because I was a little fat kid, and uh, when I saw Gleason move with grace mm. and then be loud and boisterous but the moment that always got me was when he had to humble himself at the mm. end of the show and i thought man this guy he can make you laugh he can make you cry and he just has that charisma where you like him when he walks in the room and i was just hypnotized and i was like these are the funniest people i've ever seen when i was a kid you yeah. know and my dad and i would just watch that all the time so it became what i wanted to do he was very instrumental in what I wanted to do. Wonderful. Yeah. All right. And then finally, tell us what marriage means to you. Uh, it means I'm still alive. Okay. <laughs> um, I've been married 23 years, and I'm finally getting pretty good at it. And uh, <laughs> my wife has always given me something more important in my career. And so if I keep that there, the rest of it doesn't matter. All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. As a person who's never been married and not even a relationship, I just, damn. <laughs> well, thank you now for listen, discouraging Now listen, she put Helen. her time in. It wasn't always roses. Was it? Yeah, she put yeah. her time in. Kicked in about the 22nd year? Right around 22. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, so to summarize, Billy, you said that you know and love the Pittsburgh Steelers, mm -hmm. the TV show The Honeymooners, and marriage. Yep. Today we're going to quiz you about the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right. Okay. All right. Let's see how we do. I've read that you went to games as a kid. You'll go to games now. Uh, what's the difference in how you experience the games now? Well, as a when I was a kid, we used to sit in nosebleed heaven, and my dad would buy a hoagie, and he would cut it into four sections, wrap it in foil, and go, put that in your pocket. Eat it in the third quarter. Don't ask for nothing. <laughs> you know? and, and now, because of having been on television, I actually got to be friends with some of the Roonies, and I've gotten to go down on the sideline and wave the terrible towel before the game, and uh, it's just been it's just a joy. It's just an like absolute joy true. for me. Yeah, it really Yeah, and was. Uh, do you have really a favorite was. era of the Steelers in there? The 70s when I was yeah. a kid, uh, from 75 to 80. Although I, I like the most recent Super Bowl years. I'm a, I'm a, I like Tomlin a lot. I, you know, we've only had three coaches. Tomlin, Cower, who's my favorite, and Chuck Knoll. Mm -hmm. I would say Cower's my favorite probably my favorite coach and I'd say my prob my favorite era is the 70s alright yeah. well uh, just ahead we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert about okay. the Steelers All with right. a question worth up to three points but before that to let you show your love here are five trivia questions about your topic each worth one point okay. if you want it like Gina you're allowed a hint for any two of the five questions I, now, wouldn't, I would not be stealing any of okay, these okay <laughs> That was about to be my question. All right, Billy, it sounds like it's yours to lose. Here we okay, go. Question right. number one. Mm -hmm. 
Even if they've never seen a Steelers game, millions and millions of people saw many of the players play in 2012, when Ben Roethlisberger, Troy Palomalu, Heinz Ward, and much of the rest of the team appeared as the Gotham Rogues in Christopher Nolan's sequel to what superhero movie? Batman. Helen? That is correct. Yeah, we'll give it to you, Batman. Batman. The Dark Knight. The Dark Batman Knight begins. Rises. Yes, The Dark Knight Rises, of right. course, was the film. Much of that was shot in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. In the movie, Bane blows up the football stadium right after the opening kickoff, but Heinz Ward still runs the ball back for a touchdown, yes, and yet somehow he is not in the Hall of Fame. That's, that doesn't that's make any absolutely sense. ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's another argument. All right, here's question number two. I have a feeling you might know this one. Near the Steelers' home field, Akershire Stadium, is a parking lot, which used to be the site of their former home, Three Rivers Stadium. In that parking lot is a bronze footprint and the name Franco Harris. What two-word phrase commemorating one of the most famous plays in Steelers' history is next to his name? Immaculate reception. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Very nice. That's two. Oh, you're going to kill me on this. I know it already. <laughs> Fun fact, NFL Films has ranked the Immaculate Reception as the greatest play in NFL history, Absolutely. although probably not if you're a Raiders fan. I'll tell you a little, I'll tell you a little side piece of trivia that Fra- Franco actually told me this. During that game, when they thought they were about to lose, his mother got up and at home was watching, and she put on Ave Maria. Wow. And then that happened. There was a literal Hail Mary. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. All right. You're two for two, Billy. Here's question number three. All right. The Steelers are often a family affair with brothers playing on the team at the same time. Mm-hmm. But which of the following pairs of brothers did not play on the Steelers at the same time? Okay. Is it the Watt brothers, the Davis brothers, the Smith brothers, the Edmonds brothers, or the Hayward brothers? Smith brothers. Very quick answer. Helen, is he right? That is correct. It is correct. Very nice. Wow. I got lucky. Fun fact, the Steelers have two sets of brothers currently on the team. Watt and Hayward. And? Oh, I I thought I said Watt and Hayward. Oh, no, no. Currently, I believe the Herbigs are on the team as well. Yes. Could have asked that. That are rookies. Yes. While there have been at least 10 Steelers starters named Smith, there have been no concurrent Smith brothers, though the Smith brothers do make a good cough drop. (laughs) Here's question number four. I make no apologies. Here's question number four. You do still have your hints available. Okay. The Steelers were not always known as the Steelers. What was the team called in 1933? The Steagles. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. The Steelers and the Eagles. What were they called? That's interesting. I don't know that. Gina with a chance to steal. Oh, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) Would you you like to just name any team that you've heard of? The Coppers. Steel, Copper. Oh, very nice. Yes. Helen? That is not correct. No, it actually were they actually were called the Pirates, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, uh, when the first seven that. years of their existence, uh, they were called the Pirates, which you might recall from Puff Daddy's cap in the Super Duper Fly video. <laughs> For a while during World War II, they did merge with different teams, including the Eagles. Right. Then combined name was the Steagles, That's but that wasn't until World War II. They were called the Steagles, which is slightly better than the Eagers. All right, let's see if we can bounce back with question number uh, five. You okay. do have a hint available. Uh, okay. Quarterback Terry Bradshaw became a Hall of Famer, inspired fans with his play. His successor at the position, Mark Malone, inspired fans too, but not quite in the same way. In fact, one Steelers fan became so frustrated with Malone's play that he was inspired to drive his car off the road, onto a sidewalk, through the Steelers' stadium gate, and up the ramps. I apologize for that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then you should know the answer to this. Along the way, he crashed into a 70-pound vat of what substance? Give me my hint. Helen, how about that hint? It is not usually made with gorgonzola. 
Nacho cheese. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct. Very nice. Also true of ketchup, though, so um, <laughs> that could have been tricky. Fun fact, according to a report at the time, the driver parked on the third level, ran down to the field, and was kicking imaginary field goals from the 50-yard line when the cops found him. He blamed his rampage on the poor play of Mark Malone, even though the Steelers were tied for first place at the time. <laughs> Pittsburgh is a tough city on the Tough town. Yeah. I tell you, tough town. Pittsburgh really wants their team to do well. <laughs> Tying, not enough. Uh, all right, Billy, you did quite well in that, but now here is your expert-level question that okay. requires multiple answers it is time for your cluster fact Ooh. we'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response okay. all right billy of the more than 1600 players to play for the steelers only 46 have been inducted into the team's hall of honor in 2020 that included linebacker james farrier who won two super bowls with the team and was once voted the team's mvp for up to three points, what uniform number did Ferrier oh. wear in his 10 seasons with the Steelers? Oh. In what year was he named the Steelers' team MVP, which was the same year that they went 15-1? and one? And what nickname did he share with a character from the TV show Happy Days? I'm at a loss for his number. I'm just going to take a stab. He's a linebacker, so mm -hmm. that's usually in the 50s. Okay. I'll say 52. 52. All right. And then what year did he... We become the Steelers MVP as I'm, well as... I'm going to guess 2006. 2006, okay. And then the nickname that he shared with a character from Happy Days. That's not, I've never heard that, and I've been watching a lot of football. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. Who's, who we got on Happy Days It's cool? I guess the Fonz. And the Fonz. Well, All right. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is an all-pro linebacker. Oh, no way. <laughs> Team MVP, member of the Steelers Hall of Honor, and two-time Super Bowl champion, it's James oh Ferrier! My God. Oh, my God. oh, my God! I am so embarrassed. Oh, please don't be embarrassed. This is a celebration, James. You know I love you, though, right? I love you, too, man. Yay, so much love. Hello, James. Welcome. So wonderful to see you. Yeah, good to be here. My goodness. In addition to the thing... I'm taking a picture of Billy's embarrassment. Very nice. I want a picture of Billy's embarrassment. Hard to believe this is the first time you've been able to get that. Well, James, you had 15 seasons in the NFL, 10 with the Steelers. You were a two-time Pro Bowler. Beast mode. And uh, you hold the all-time Steelers record still to this day for most tackles. Incredible career that you had there. Thank you. Sure. That's a lot of tackling. A lot of tackling. Uh, I'm interested to know, you're from Virginia, you played at Virginia, you're in the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. How did you end up in Los Angeles area? Uh, my wife is from Houston, Texas, and when we were dating, it was my last two years of my career, and... When I got released my last season, mm -hmm. I didn't really know if I wanted to play again, and I, mm. I, it was still up in the air. I thought I, could, I had a couple more years left in me, and uh, I didn't know for sure. So she, decided, she said, just come down to Houston and come stay with me until you figure it out. Little did I know at the time that once I got down to Houston, I knew my career was over. Mm. I knew I was going to go in a different direction. I didn't want to play football anymore. and We ended up getting married, having four kids, and... After we had our fourth kid, we were ready to get out of Texas, and Los Angeles became one of the spots that we were in interested in, and we've always vacationed out here. We love the weather, love the atmosphere, love the people, and we decided that this was going to be home. Mm. Excellent. Well, we're yeah. certainly glad that you did. Yeah. 
Well, let's go back to the beginning of your NFL career. You were actually drafted by and played for the Jets. Uh, yes. And uh, a legendary coach, Bill Belichick, was instrumental in your being drafted. Yeah, he was the defensive coordinator. So uh, I remember us having our workout at uh, UVA and all the coaches from around the league, they were there watching all the players. And I remember Belichick being there, but he was in the back of the room, like off to himself, Mm -hmm. didn't talk to anybody. Like we're all like, this guy's crazy. Like why is he over there by himself? Like he didn't, you know, we didn't pay him any attention. And, you know, the Jets that year, they had the first pick, Mm -hmm. the first draft pick. So, I knew I wasn't going to be the first draft pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought I was good, but not that good. <laughs> so I really didn't consider the Jets or even think that, you know, they were even looking at me. And, you know, in the draft, they traded down for the first pick. They traded to the sixth pick. Mm-hmm. So that kind of put me into play. And I got a phone call when they were about to make the sixth pick. Coach Parcells called me, and he was like, I think we're going to take you with this pick. But I don't know. I might... I might have a trade coming up, <laughs> and I might trade the pick. So I don't know. I'll call you back. Wow. So I'm, I'm, think, I'm in the green room. I'm at the draft, yeah. and my family. So I'm, I'm thinking, like, this might be it. Yeah. I might come off the clock. They ended up trading the pick to the eighth pick. Yeah. So they traded the pick. I'm, I'm like, okay, we'll just, you know, wait around. And they called me on the seventh pick and was like, we're going to pick you with the eighth pick. The next pick. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, I've heard and, that before. And I was like, <laughs> he was like, he put me on the phone with all his staff and the people that needed to get me over to the facility. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was that. And, you know, that was the beginning of my career. Wow. Wow. Now, uh, your time ended uh, with the Jets and you became a free agent. You had your pick, I would guess, of several teams. Why did you end up playing with the Steelers? They were the only team that offered me a contract. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's. Yeah, it was pretty simple. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's also how I chose I my college, by the way. It's the only one I got into, yeah. I'd taken a couple. I'd taken two other visits, one to Cleveland mm-hmm. no. and one no. to a... No. <laughs> no. Hey. No. I was a free agent, man. No. I didn't, I didn't have God a job, man. I had, yeah. Thank God. I had to do you'd something. Have been, you'd have been crying. No. The linebacker coach at Cleveland, he ended up being my linebacker coach in Pittsburgh. Oh. And I asked him, I was like, why didn't y'all get me when I was uh, on my visit to Cleveland? Why yeah. didn't y'all want me? And he was like, it wasn't my it wasn't my decision. I thought you were a great player and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, that's some bullshit. <laughs> like, you don't want to tell me the real reason why y'all didn't want me. But uh ended up Earl Holmes, which was a Pittsburgh Steeler, he was he was a free agent that year also. Mm-hmm. He ended up not signing with Pittsburgh and went to Cleveland. Oh. So when they got yeah, they, they got Earl at Cleveland, Pittsburgh needed a linebacker. And Coach Coward had told me in the meeting, he was like, I like Earl Holmes. I want him to be our linebacker, but if it doesn't work out with Earl, I want you to keep us in mind. And Earl went to Cleveland, and the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> Pittsburgh fans, as we've discovered, uh, have a reputation for, let us say, being rather passionate. What, what was your experience like uh, experiencing that kind of a fervent fandom in Pittsburgh? Uh, it was great. I think the main reason it was great because we did a lot of winning. Yeah, that helps. That helps, <laughs> that, yeah. That always helps, yeah. and... You know, being being able to go to three, we went actually went to three Super Bowls when I was there. So, you know, the good times were there, and you know, it, it felt like probably like it felt back in the olden days, back in the seventies, when it was the good times were rolling. What's yeah. the craziest fan story that you or one of your player, one of your teammates experienced? Oh man, just you know, people just trying to get autographs and pictures and 
want you to sign them in places that you probably shouldn't sign. <laughs> I'm sorry That's about just, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are kids in here. I don't want to say. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Too great. We talked earlier about how a bunch of the Steelers were in Dark Knight Rises. You were one of those people. Yes, I didn't make the cut, but yeah. uh, I tried to get as close as I could to Ben because I knew he was gonna, <laughs> he wasn't going to get out. But you know, some guys had gotten there before me, and I couldn't get quite close enough, so. I didn't make the cut, but you know, I, I might have been on the credits. Maybe I'm, I'm still on the credits. <laughs> Last thing I want to ask you about is one thing I read in, when I was looking through your stats is that you had one touchdown uh, with the Steelers. Or in, in my your... kids ask me about that all the okay. time. <laughs> like, Daddy, how many touchdowns did you score? Yeah, I'm like, I played defense. I got one touchdown. What do you remember about that touchdown? Oh, it was a game against Cincinnati at Cincinnati. Uh, I don't remember what year it was, but it was a close game and. They were driving the ball, I think, trying to win the game at, at the end of the game. And I think it was Carson Palmer. Mm-hmm. He didn't see me, and uh, I just read it and, you know, picked it up. I caught it probably at like the 20-yard line and saw nothing but green grass. And I knew I was going to score when I caught it. So that was, wow. that was pretty exciting. But I, what was funny about that, you know, that was my first touchdown, and I was so excited. And Joy Porter, who was my teammate at the time, he came and tried to hug me. And I jumped up and ended up kneeing him in his uh, groin. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, and put him out of commission for a few plays. Wow. I was like, so, man, so he remembers your first yes. touchdown as well. He remembers it way more than I do. For sure. All right, well, let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Billy Gardell. First, we wanted to know what uniform number did James Ferrier wear in his 10 seasons with the Steelers? Helen, what did Billy say? Billy said 52. Oh, and James? 97. And he was almost there. Well, 51. God. 51. He was almost ah, there. So close. So I'm telling you, it's because so we close. don't retire our numbers. I can I give you a half a point for that. Oh, okay, half, half a point, Helen. Oh, very good. Yeah. All right, <laughs> half a point there for Billy. Next, we want to know what year did Ferrier... Can I change this? Sure, go ahead. 2010. All right, next we want to know in what year was Ferrier named the Steelers team MVP, the same year the Steelers went 15-1. and one. Helen, what did Billy say now? Billy first said 2006, and now he's changed to 2010. James? 2004. Oh. <laughs> I went the wrong way. Yeah, I can't I give you anything on that one. I am old. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Old. Billy wants to change it again. He yeah. wants to say, <laughs> I'd like to say 2004 now. Oh, would you like to change it to that? Oh, James, correct. James, would you like correct. to take away a point from Billy? <laughs> yes. No. Take, take away a point. Take that half point back. Take oh, sorry, that no. half point. <laughs> no point on that. And finally, wanted to know what nickname did James Ferrier share with a character from TV's Happy Day? Helen, what did Billy say? Billy said the Fonz. And James? It wasn't the Fonz. It was Potsy. Potsy. I never heard that the whole time you were there. Yeah. Well, you are a cool customer, so I can understand why you would have said Fonz. Tell us about why you were called Potsy. Uh, My mom, she was the creator of the name, and she said, you know, when I asked her, you know, why she gave me that name, she said I was a a fat kid when I was little, and I had a pot belly. (laughs) And Happy Days was the popular show. She thought... Potsy on Happy Days was, you know, sort of, you know, how I portrayed my yeah. real life. So that's what she picked it up from. Wow. from you know, well, just, it could have been worse, Billy. You could have guessed Ralph Mouth. I would But not. she said, <laughs> my mom told me, she said, you know, if I would have known you're going to be a linebacker and play all these years, I would have never gave you that nickname. <laughs> so. Well, Billy, while we have James here, anything else you'd like to ask or say to him? Thank you for all the great years. Thank you for the great oh, years. Oh, thank man. you. Thank, thank you, you for, for being a fan. And all the time. We have a lot of great support in Pittsburgh, and, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, we enjoy about that. Excellent. Well, we've enjoyed having you here. The standard is the standard. 
Yes, indeed. <laughs> if people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where can they do that? Uh, yeah, you can just follow me on Instagram at jamesfarrier 51 I believe that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very 51. memorable number. 51. Very memorable yeah. number. Billy, 51. Thank you so much for being here tonight, yeah. James Thanks, Ferrier, man. everybody. Thank you so nice to all right, Helen, what is our score as we head into the final round? Woo! It is a tight game, Jay Keith. Woo! At the end You're of that winning. round, Gina Yashere has five yeah. points and Billy Gardell has four and All a right. half points. Oh. No, that half's not fair. That half's not fair. <laughs> no, we're we're going to keep it. We're All right, <laughs> now it is time for our final round we call Ooh. Fast Facts. I'll read ten statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. Mm-hmm. I'll start with Gina and alternate between okay. each guest. Ooh. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, right. please answer each statement with true or false. False. Okay. Here we begin. Gina, there is a film festival called Tribeca. True. Correct. Billy, there's a film festival called Bibeca. False. Correct. Gina, there's a film festival called Sundance. True. Correct. Billy, there's a film festival called Moondance. True. Correct. Gina, there's a film festival called Raindance. False. Incorrect. No, there really is. Billy, there's a film festival called Dance Dance. (laughs) I hope it's false. That is correct. Yes. Dance Dance is, of course, the name of a revolution. Ah. Gina. Gina. (laughs) (laughs) Jakey Van Stratton, everyone. Thank you. (laughs) Gina, there's a false film festival. True. Incorrect. Billy. Damn it. Billy, there's a true film festival. False. Correct. Gina, there's a. Come on! (laughs) Gina, there's a false true film festival. I'm going to say false. Correct. Billy, there's a true false film festival. False. Incorrect. No, it really is. Gina, true false takes place in Sioux Falls. (laughs) True? Incorrect. Billy, true false takes place at RuPaul's. I just have to say true. Incorrect. And finally, Gina, True False is hosted by Lou Rawls. <laughs> oh, I'm going to say false. Correct. <laughs> oh, my All God. right, we're not going to count those last few. Let's give Billy Gardell oh, yeah. and Gina Yashere a nice hand as Helen tabulates the final score. Helen, are you ready to announce the final score in today's show? I am at the end of the game. Gina Yashere has eight points, and Billy Gardell has eight and a half points. Oh, oh Billy! It's a tie. It's a tie. It's a tie. That's well, a tie. if you'd like to make it a tie, we could go to the tiebreaker. Oh, well, let's Ooh. go to the tiebreaker. Oh, tiebreaker. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, B- Billy, we are retroactively removing the bonus point we five are the so bon- that we can go to the tiebreaker, but somebody should win after this. I love it. Ooh. All right, here we go. Uh, here's how our tiebreaker works. I will ask you one question question. Uh, the answer is a number. Whoever gets closer to the correct number wins. Now, we do not play prices Right style, so don't just guess a dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to ask the question, think about it for a beat, and then I'll ask you to blurt out your answers at the same time on the count of three. So, okay, mm-hmm. here we go. Here is your question. In what year was 7-Up Soda first sold under the name 7-Up? Again, what year was 7-Up Soda first sold under the name 7-Up? This think is about a it very a American-centric <laughs> question. I'm just saying. You have your excuse uh, on noted. <laughs> on the count of three, one, two, three. 1983. You said 73 and you said? 80. 80. The correct answer, 1936. Gina Yashere. <laughs> overcoming the cultural bias 
to win the game. Congratulations, wow. Gina. You are the facting champion. Gina, what will you do with your championship? Oh, wow. I'm going to put the empty nothing on my mantelpiece. <laughs> Awesome. We are happy to give you the empty nothing. Uh, all right, we're going to wrap things up by uh, <laughs> asking anyone on the panel uh, to promote or mention anything they might like. Jeannie Ashere, where can people find you and what you're up to? Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram at Jeannie Ashere, Facebook at Jeannie Ashere, Forget X, boo! <laughs> and, uh, and you can watch me Monday nights, Bob Hart's Abishola, CBS, 8.30, 7.30 Central. Well, starting from when does it start? February 12th. February 12th, and we're in February. Yay! Ginny Yasher, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Billy Gardell, where can people find what you're up to? Bob Hart's Abishola, Monday nights, 8.30, 7.30 Central, February 12th. Catch us for this last bit. It's going to be great. Excellent. It's been great to have you as Thank well, you Billy guys. Gardell, Thank everybody. You. Ladies and gentlemen, you are so lucky because my hosting partner is Helen Hall. Yay! I just got back onto Facebook after two years of being frozen out because I forgot my password. <laughs> Unbelievably, I am not at funny Helen Hong. I'm a very boring Helen Hong comedian on Facebook. <laughs> but on every other social, I'm at funny Helen Hong, not at Helen Hong, because that woman is not funny. Not funny. Funny Helen Hong. And on she will Instagram. be appearing at the True False Festival <laughs> in Sioux Falls. <laughs> I understand you're taking over for Lou Rawls at that uh, event. You'll never find. <laughs> Funny Helen Hong. Helen Hong, everybody. Uh, and me, you can follow me on the socials at J underscore Keith or jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Gina Yashere, Billy Gardell, Ahmad Ali Lewis, James Ferrier, everyone here at LAist and the Crawford. And thank you for listening and supporting our show at MaximumFun.org. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. <laughs> Like what you hear? Come see us live. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. Meanwhile, please like us on Facebook. Follow us on all the socials at GoFactorPod. Update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com and buy our T-shaped shirt and mug-shaped mug at MaxFunStore.com. And give us a great review on your favorite podcast platform, like Butler Michael David did on Podchaser. He, she, or they said, whenever I want a good laugh, I can always count on GoFactorself. Thanks, Butler Michael David. I love a good laugh and hate a bad one. Helen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from the Crawford at LAist in Pasadena. <laughs> Questions were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex, which this week includes Kurt Carley. We are produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor and overall hero is Julian Burrell. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Research assistance provided by Adam Needif and Clint Tauscher. Quiz assistance provided by Brian Phillips and Clint Tauscher with Bob Toronto, Kimberly Lewis, and John Burkhoff. Promotional graphics by Eric Tran. Video clips by Annie LaFerrier. Live show photography by Christine Vallada. Live show support by Dave Bianchi. <laughs> Special thanks to Mike Marchinski, Michael Birch, and Bert Loughton at the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Alita Braxton. For LAS, John Cohn, Executive Director, Rebecca Stummy, Events Producer, Tony Federico, Technical Director, Kristen Payne, Audience Services and Events Manager, Kristen Ranger, Events Coordinator, and Michael Leva and Laura Dukes, Events Interns. I've been Helen Hong! Let's go watch the Steelers play! And then watch Bob Hart's Abby Shola afterwards while listening to 90s hip-hop. It's all coming together.
maximum fun. A worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you.